There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. So I love that song. She's a woman of faith and a worshiper, and she can write a song. It's great, great to be back here this morning. Missed y'all last week, but we watched online, and it was awesome. And uh, um, it, it's so great to be able to go on vacation and not have to worry about anything. Way, many, many, many moons ago, we, we kind of were a little nervous when we left, but um, uh, not anymore. And everybody takes care of everything, and it, it's awesome. It's awesome having a great team. So yeah. great to be back. I want to begin by asking you a question this morning. Don't answer out loud. Are you wise? Are you? And if you think you have wisdom, what kind of wisdom do you have? We're continuing our journey through the book of James called Wisdom for Everyday Life. And last week, Pastor Anthony preached an incredible message called Heavenly Wisdom versus Earthly Wisdom. And he laid a foundation where he defined wisdom and he taught the difference between wisdom and knowledge and he, he, he taught us how to get wisdom and she showed us how wisdom grows in the soil of humility. I loved that. I really love that. And the text was this, James 3, 13 through 16, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find confusion and every evil practice. Wow. Today I'm preaching on the fruit of wisdom. James teaches us the difference between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom or worldly wisdom. He shows us specifically how to identify each type of wisdom. And it's important to know that. It's important to know what kind of wisdom that you have. And here's how you know. You know it by its fruit. By the fruit in your life. He, he said that at the, at the beginning of this uh, section. Show your wisdom by, by your life. The way you live. You know wisdom by its fruit. And the first two fruit he showed us that result from godly wisdom are humility and good works. Pastor Anthony taught on that last week. Great job. I'm not going to go back over that again. Next, James shows us two fruit of worldly wisdom. And there's going to be, I think, about 15 um, fruit of godly wisdom that we will look at quickly today that he gives in these few verses that are upcoming. Uh, but he shows us that, that the worldly wisdom has the fruit of envy and selfish ambition. By the way, those two things always show up together. Envy and selfish ambition. If you're selfish, you tend to envy those who have the things you want. And our world today is full of envy and selfishness. I'm going to talk more about selfishness next week. And today I want to concentrate on wisdom and the other fruit of wisdom. What is envy? What is envy? The Encarted Dictionary says this. Envy is wanting what someone else has. The resentful or unhappy feeling of wanting someone else's success, good fortune, qualities, or possessions. 
In other words, wisdom, envy is saying, I like what you've got. I don't like the fact that you have it. And I want it for myself. It could be something like someone getting promotion or a raise at work that you didn't get, that you felt you deserved. It could be that someone else's family seems like they have it more together than yours. It could be that someone else has more money or more success than you. It could be that you think somebody else is more talented or, or better looking. And be envious. In the Old Testament, envy is like coveting. Coveting is one of the Ten Commandments. It's number ten. Thou shalt not covet. It's wanting what somebody else has, their, their home, their job, their spouse, their possessions. He says, don't covet your, your neighbor's wife or their, their house or their donkey. For us, that would be their car. <laughs> or how many of you say something like this? How come God answers their prayers so quickly but not mine? Boom. Something's planted in your heart right there. Envy can be planted in your heart right there. And if you don't deal with it, a root of bitterness can spring up inside of you and defile you and everybody else around you. Now listen, here's how you know if, you're, if you have envy. You can tell if you are envious by how you respond when somebody else is blessed or promoted or prayers get answered. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with them that rejoice. This is the envy test. This is the test. When you are envious, you cannot rejoice when someone else is, someone else is blessed. You're too upset that they got blessed and not what you didn't get. And you're concentrating more on the blessings God has given them instead of your own. Envy is very similar to, je to jealousy. But here's the distinction. Jealousy desires to have what somebody else has. Envy wants to deprive that person of what they have. They're very similar. But this is why the Bible says it's never good, never good for us to compare ourselves to one another. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We're talking about the fruit of wisdom, and it's not wise to compare yourself with somebody else. God is dealing with them in his wisdom. God is dealing with you in his wisdom, and God is doing the right thing in both of your lives at the right time. So really, when you come down to it, envy sometimes is showing a lack of faith and trust in God. I'll talk more about that later. But worldly wisdom is based on, based on comparing ourselves to others. That's not heavenly wisdom. That's not godly wisdom. And one reason is it's not wise, wise to compare is that it can cause jealousy and envy. James 3.16 says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find confusion and every evil practice. Listen. In order to have heavenly wisdom, you've got to deal a death blow to envy. If you do not, it will bring confusion and every evil work into your life. And here's the thing about envy. Envy kills. If we allow envy to fester inside of us and to grow inside of us, it can kill us spiritually and even physically. The end result of envy is always death of some sort. 
We see it all the way through the Bible, all the way back at the beginning. The first time you see envy is a story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, where Cain killed Abel because he envied the fact that God accepted Cain's sacrifice, but not his. King Saul was envious of David's success. What did he do? He tried to kill him. Joseph's brothers were envious of his relationship with his father, and they tried to kill him. Fortunately, they were talked out of it by one brother at the last minute and just sold him into slavery, but they wanted to kill him. The religious leaders of Jesus' day were envious of his success, and what did they do? They killed him. Envy plants a seed of murder in our hearts. Not that we would actually kill someone. Someone has. They've done it in the Bible, but we often kill them with our words. But the main person who envy kills is oneself. Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. You harbor envy, jealousy in your heart, it's going to rot. It's going to decay. It's going to affect you. It will cripple you. Ultimately, it kills something in you. I want to list some things today that I believe that envy can kill in our lives. Envy kills our trust in God. Because the bottom line is, when we envy others, we usually end up blaming God. Why did they get blessed and I didn't? Why did they get the job and I didn't? Why did they get the promotion and I did not? Why did they get the raise and I didn't? Why did they get a new car and, and I didn't? It goes on and on and on and on and on. And people who envy have a scarcity mentality rather than an abundance mentality. They believe God's resources are limited and there's only so much to go around. So if you get a blessing, then there's not enough blessing left for me. Are you serious? You don't think God has enough blessing to bless all of us? Joseph's brothers were envious of his relationship with their father and the gift the father gave them of the coat of many colors. But ultimately, it proved out that their father had love for all of them. He had blessing for all of them. And God has love and blessing for all of us in abundance. Don't let envy kill your trust in God. Envy can kill relationships with God and others. Back to Joseph. Envy killed his relationship with his brothers. And they crippled the relationship with their brothers and with their brothers and their fathers because they lied to their father about Joseph. And they had to live with the, the, the burden of, of what they had done for the rest of their lives. And that burden was only broken by Joseph's willingness to love them in spite of what they did and to forgive them many years later. Don't let envy destroy your relationships. Listen, envy can kill your ability to praise God. Because if you're, you can't blame God and praise God at the same time. If you're not trusting God, if you don't have faith in God, you will not enter into praise and worship and the presence of God. Envy is a symptom of a lack of gratefulness for how God has made you and what God has given you. So y'all got real quiet right there. I need to say that again, evidently. Envy is a symptom of a lack of gratefulness for how God has made you and what God has given you. And when you're envying, you are in effect saying, God, I don't like what, who I am. I don't like what I have. I'd rather be somebody else and I'd rather have other stuff. Listen, when we struggle with envy, we're not fully established in our identity in Christ. We're not fully established in who God is. We are insecure in the grace of God. We're ungrateful for what God has done for us. We're not submitting to the sovereignty and the wisdom of Almighty God. And what we are instead, we are motivated by selfishness and self-interest. Until we're thankful for who we are in Christ 
and what God has done for us, we will never enter into the presence of God because we will never praise and worship because we enter into his gaze with thanksgiving. Ungrateful people do not praise, therefore they do not worship, therefore they do not get in the presence of God. And sometimes if you're sitting here in this room and the presence of God, everybody's saying how thick it is, and you're saying, I don't have no sense, no presence of God. Well, you might want to see what's going on in your heart. Sometimes, sometimes there's, a, there's something going on that's between you and God, but sometimes there might be some envy, some ungratefulness, some lack of trust, some other things, some blaming of God that you need to deal with. Envy can kill our respect for authority and leaders. And that has a huge impact on us. Psalm 106.16 says, in the camp, this is the camp of Israel as they were traveling to the promised land. They grew envious of Moses and Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. It's dangerous when we start to envy those who are in leadership. Bosses, teachers, pastors, especially in the boss level, because you can risk being disrespectful to them and, and, and then it costs you your job. In the case of Moses, <clears throat> And Aaron, the people, envy began in the hearts of people when they got upset over things that they had said and they had done. And we do the very same thing when we say this. How did they get into that position of authority anyway? I could do a better job than them. Don't tell me you've never thought that. How did they get into that position? Why are they put that in that position? Why should I follow them? They're not worthy of my respect. You've got to respect a position and the fact that, that they were placed in that position. And I'm telling you, you need to be real careful right here because I want you to go back to that, that Psalm 106 and read the results of the children of Israel who rebelled against the leadership of Israel because of their envy. God ended up bringing a plague against those whose envy led the rebellion. Envy kills. Envy kills our ability to enjoy what we do have. Because we're always focused on what we don't have and what somebody else has, what somebody else has. This happens at home. This happens at church. This happens at work. Where it can rear, envy can rear its ugly head anywhere. And almost every time, almost every time in the New Testament when the word envy is listed, the word strife follows close behind. Envy and strife. Envy and strife. Envy, conflict, confusion, disorder, fighting. Envy and strife work together to kill unity. They work together to kill unity. Envy kills unity. Every time, envy kills unity. By the way, back to not enjoying what we do have. People who watch HGTV all day, <laughs> many times end up very dissatisfied <laughs> with their house <laughs> and very envious. I can't chip and Joanne come up here and, 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 and fix my house. You watch Lifetime all day? You get real dissatisfied with your house. There's a lot out there geared to making you want. Listen, marketing. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I went marketing and passing the music. Marketing, the, the, the goal of marketing is to make you dissatisfied with how you look and what you have. And the goal of marketing is to make you always want something you don't have. I got to have it. I need it. Some of y'all are in debt over your head because of the envy that came about through marketing. 
and the dissatisfaction it brought into your life that I got to have this, I got to have that, I got to look like them, I got to look like that, I, I, I need something new, I need something more, I need something better, and, and, and I want, I want, I want, and why do you have it? <laughs> envy kills. By the way, no one is exempt from envy, even pastors. I grew up in a pastor's home. My grandfather was a pastor. My uncles, I've been around pastors my whole life. I've been to so many pastors' meetings, I cannot count them. And I can tell you that many times there is an underlying jealousy and envy when pastors hear about how well another church is doing, how they're growing, how they're building. They may say the right thing, but there's sometimes even an underlying sense of satisfaction when, the, when another pastor falls or the church fell. Well, did you hear about old brother so-and-so? It's true. God had to deal with that in my heart way back years ago. Robert Morris and I were elders at Shady Grove at the same time. I, I love Robert. Robert is a, a blessing. But we started our churches a few years apart. And he's got so many people, we can't even count them. <laughs> they got so much money coming in. I mean, it's amazing how blessed they are. It's an awesome thing. And I, years ago, thank God God dealt with it years ago. You know, you know one of the ways God dealt with it? Robert came here years ago. This is in the earlier days of Gateway. They were big already, but they weren't mega big like they are now. Uh, and we had a banquet for a, a building fund we were doing. And Robert personally, for um, Gateway's behalf, gave us a check for $10,000. Still sitting in the bank with all the other money that all the rest of us gave toward that building. God, I, I'm telling you, anytime I drive somebody with, by, by a building, I, I, I'm telling you, I have to fight it. I'm telling you, I'm just being real with you today. And with me, it's more delicate than envy. I'm not sad that they have it. I'm glad. I, I, I bless Robert. I bless Gateway. I bless every church that's being left. I'm happy for them. But sometimes there's a pain in my heart over, over, over. I don't understand it all, you know. But I trust God. And I'm not going to allow that thing to grow in my heart. <laughs> Listen, when you're envious, you cannot rejoice with those who rejoice. And you are secretly happy when they fall or they fail. And realize that. Envious people will not be able to rejoice with you. Envious people will be jealous of what you have. They will not want you to have what you have. And they will tear you down rather than build you up. All of us have this potential inside of us. And there's only one way to deal with envy. Kill it before it kills you. You can overcome envy. But that victory comes only through the cross of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen. Envy cannot be overcome by positive thinking or self-help. How can self-help help when self is the problem? Self is a problem. So you're going to try to help yourself? No. You need to die to yourself. Envy is totally based on self. Selfishness, self-interest, self-preservation, self-promotion. And since envy is based on self, the only way to deal with it is to die to self. The cross must do its work in this area in our lives. How do we die to self? By saying no to ourselves and yes to God. By saying no to self and yes to others. By rejoicing when somebody else is more blessed than us. All these actions help to bring the death blow to envy. And you can overcome envy by dying to self and choosing to act in the opposite spirit. What's the opposite of envy? It's love because 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 4 says, love does not envy. Love is the cure for envy. When we truly love someone, we won't envy them. We all love what's, what's best for the other person. You might think you love someone. 
But what's really in your heart will come to the surface when they seem to be more blessed than you. They got what you wanted. But when you truly love someone, you consider their needs more important than yours. So them getting blessed should make you happy. For instance, think about, think about somebody you envy at time, some time for getting what you want. Suppose that person who got what you wanted was your child. They got the blessing that you wanted. You prayed for it. Everything would change. You'd be happy for them. You'd rejoice with them. It doesn't matter that they have it and you don't because they're your child and you love them and you're so happy to see them blessed. I, I want my children to have more than us. I, I want that. It's a blessing to see them blessed. It's an awesome thing. So we know we've overcome envy and we truly love. We're able to rejoice when other people are blessed. When someone truly love is being blessed with success, we can rejoice with them because love does not envy. So if you're having envy, you're showing that there's a lack of love. And you choose to love. Choose to do what's best for them. And choosing to love someone you envy will kill envy. And when you die to self and you pass the envy test, when you truly begin to put others before yourself, the blessing of the Lord will come upon you. It will be released upon you. And you will receive the fruit of godly wisdom. That's an awesome thing. Go ahead, give the Lord some thanks. James 3, 15-16 tells us this about worldly wisdom. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is early on spiritual and of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find confusion in every evil practice. Worldly wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. So that must mean that heavenly wisdom is heavenly, spiritual, and of God. And notice that worldly wisdom does not, not only produces the fruit of uh, worldly wisdom, not only produces the fruit of envy and selfishness, also confusion and evil. Listen. If anything defines America today, it's absolute confusion. People are confused about everything. They're confused about who God is. And they want to straighten you out about who, what you believe about God. They're confused about who they are. Sexual identity confusion is rampant. People are confused about evil. They're so confused that they, they call evil good and, and good evil. You notice that's happening right now. They're so confused that they celebrate evil and they denigrate or put down good. We see the fruit of ungodly wisdom everywhere we look. But James contrasts that with heavenly wisdom. In James 3, 17 through 18, he said that the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and without hypocrisy. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. I'm not going to speak on peacemaking today because I covered that back in my sermon in this series called Mercy Triumph. But I want to quickly look as I close at these other fruit of heavenly or godly wisdom. Number one, it's pure. Worldly wisdom is full of evil and impurity. But heavenly wisdom, godly wisdom is pure. Pure means to be holy, to be undefiled, to be uncontaminated. But there's another definition of pure, unmixed. It's like 100% pure sugar. You look at most bags of sugar, it will say on there, 100% pure cane sugar or 100% whatever kind of sugar it is. They're not telling you this sugar is holy. They're telling you it's unmixed with anything else. You don't have to worry that as you're pouring it out, you're going to come across a layer of salt. It's pure, unmixed sugar. And heavenly wisdom should never be mixed with worldly wisdom. They are incompatible with each other. 
And one reason there's so much confusion in so many believers is they're trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom. And it results in what James calls double-mindedness with people who are unstable in all their ways. And there's so many believers who are so unstable because they're trying to mix their beliefs. It's called secretism, trying to sink a different or especially opposed beliefs. I'm going to take some Jesus. I'm going to take some Buddha. I'm going to take some Confucius. I'm going to take some Hindu teaching. I'm going to take some reincarnation. I'm going to take some humanism, humanism and worldly philosophy, and I'm going to mix that all together. And this is what I believe. This is my wisdom, which is foolishness in the sight of God. God's wisdom is pure. It is unmixed with anything else. Stop trying to mix Jesus, faith, and Bible with other sacred texts. Stop it. Godly wisdom, peaceable. Peace-loving. It's somebody who brings peace. I remember when I was a district manager in family Christian stores and retail, I used to tell my managers, when you come across a tough situation, you've got two pails in your hand. In one pail, you've got a pail of water with which you can put that fire out. The other pail is a pail of gasoline, which you pour onto that fire and make it worse and flare it up worse. Some managers got it, and they learned how to throw water on fires and put it out. Some managers never got it. It was always mind-boggling to me. They always were able to make any situation worse than it already was. It was some kind of gift they had. <laughs> it was horrible. Listen, because had, I had to get involved in those situations. My office got involved in all that kind of stuff. Don't be a flamethrower. Be a peacemaker. God's wisdom is gentle. Gentle. And so many times I mess up on gentleness, patience, appropriateness, kindness. Godly wisdom is willing to yield. It's like getting on the freeway. <laughs> Somebody's got to yield. The guy getting on is supposed to yield. But sometimes we get a little NASCAR and like, you ain't, you, you ain't coming in on me. You know, we're, we're pulled right up to the bumper of the guy. I don't know who you think you are, but you're not in front of me. I'm staying in front of you. I'm winning this race. <laughs> unwilling to yield. And some of us are unwilling to yield in relationships, unwilling to yield in, in marriage. Listen, listen. If one person in marriage is doing all the yielding, something's wrong. You should both be willing to yield. Don't you look at nobody around you or elbow anybody. <laughs> are you willing to yield? I love this. Are you easy to be entreated is the way the King James says it. Entreated means asked. Are you easy to approach? Easy to talk to? Are you easy to be entreated? Are you teachable? Are you approachable? Are you correctable? Wise people are willing to learn. Wise people are always willing to be taught, instructed, corrected, reproved if necessary. Listen to Proverbs 9, 8, and 9. Don't bother correcting mockers. They will only hate you. But correct wise and they will you. That's how you know if somebody is wise or not or foolish or the, what happens when you correct them. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Are you wise? Only if you're too. Well, I've learned all I need to learn. I know all I need to know. I've got it all together. I don't need nobody else telling me anything else about anything else. i got it all together. You are foolish. I hate the blunt, but I'm trying to help you in 30 minutes today, so. <laughs> but normally I'm easy to be treated, I think. Right? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> thank you, baby. God's wisdom is full of mercy, compassion, kindness. Remember James 2.13, mercy triumphs over judgment. If we want mercy from God, we've got to give mercy to other people. Jesus said it in Matthew 5.7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you're not merciful, you won't obtain mercy. That, that's not wise. Godly wisdom, heavenly wisdom is without partiality. 
Wise people are not prejudiced. They do not discriminate against people because of their ethnicity, their income level, their education level, their political beliefs, or anything else. People can't even have conversations today with people that disagree with them. How foolish is that? That is saying, I know everything. You have nothing to say to me. There's nothing I can learn from you. Just shut and leave me alone. There's no little kids in there. Because usually go, one time one said, oh, Pastor Joe said shut up. Wisdom is not prejudice. Lastly, wisdom is without hypocrisy. It's sincere. It's genuine. It doesn't pretend. It's not hiding. It's not acting. A hypocrite literally means actor. Somebody who's acting one way that they're really not. In other words, just be real. Be real. Be real. So I ask you the same thing I ask you when I open this message. Are you wise? And if you are, what kind of wisdom do you have? Is the fruit of your wisdom heavenly or earthly? Here's how you know by the fruit of wisdom. And I'm going to list all these out for you. Worldly wisdom results in pride, but godly wisdom results in humility. Worldly wisdom results in envy, but godly wisdom results in love. Worldly wisdom results in selfishness, but godly wisdom results in selflessness. Worldly wisdom results in confusion, but godly wisdom results in clarity. Worldly wisdom causes you to be confused about who God is and who you are, but godly wisdom results in certainty about who God is and who you are in him. Worldly wisdom results in evil, but godly wisdom results in purity. Godly wisdom results in peace, but worldly wisdom results in conflict. Godly wisdom results in gentleness, but worldly wisdom results in harshness. Godly wisdom results in you being teachable and approachable, but worldly wisdom results in you being unteachable and unfriendly. Godly wisdom results in mercy, but worldly wisdom results, results in vengeance and the desire for revenge, the desire to get back, the desire to make them pay. Godly wisdom results in impartiality, but worldly wisdom results in discrimination. Godly wisdom results in sincerity, but worldly wisdom results in hypocrisy. I ask you again, what kind of wisdom do you have? And do you desire wisdom from God? I can tell you that's one of my constant prayers. And I will tell you, we have a men's prayer meeting every Monday morning at 7. And there is not a week go by that we don't pray for wisdom. I promise you, every single week, somebody is saying, I need wisdom. And we're all saying, I need wisdom too. We pray. It's one of my constant prayers. God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. The decision at church, the decisions at home, the financial decisions, with, with every decision I have to make. God, give me wisdom. And I thank God for James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Stand to your feet. I want to close by doing this. I want to lead you in a prayer. I just felt led to do this today. It's a little different than how we normally do it, but I just felt led. You pray a prayer, and if you would just repeat after me in this prayer. Heavenly Father, your word promises me that if I lack wisdom, I should ask you, and you would give it generously. So, Lord Jesus, I ask you to give me a generous amount of wisdom. Give me wisdom at home. Give me wisdom in my marriage. Give me wisdom in my relationships. Give me financial wisdom. Give me wisdom about my health. Give me wisdom at work. Give me wisdom everywhere I go. Give me wisdom in every decision I make. And I believe your promise that if I ask for wisdom, you will give it generously. So I receive your wisdom. Wisdom from heaven. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's thank God today.
That's the one that's not one-time prayer. Make that your daily prayer. Listen, make that a daily prayer. God, I need wisdom. Even in the midst of the situation, you, you can throw up a prayer and nobody else will know it. God, I need some wisdom right now. They're asking me something. I don't even have a clue what they're talking about. But God, you can give me some wisdom on what to say, how to say it. God, give me wisdom, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The all-wise one is living within you. He has all wisdom, and he can give it to you. Thank you for being here. Prayer team, come down. We want to pray over you. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never been born again, today is the day of salvation. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today would be a day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need wisdom, if you need work, if you need finances, if you need a miracle in any way, we would love to pray with you see the hand of God move in your life. Love you so much. Love you so much. God bless you. Somebody say hallelujah for that word. I had to get up here and close right now because Pastor was speaking on the fruit of the fruit of wisdom. We have been believing for wisdom. This is a real-time testimony to what you just preached. We have been believing for wisdom for our young people, for the next generation. And I will tell you, I was standing in the hallway. I left out because we were evaluating, and we've been praying as leadership over family life how to impart that wisdom into our young people. As I was walking down the hall, I heard screaming for the youth room. I heard people crying. And when I walked to the room, I saw our young people laying hands on each other and praying and believing what God could do. Right back here. I saw young people praying to the Spirit. And I said, this is what parents don't see. That when you really believe for God to give you wisdom, to give you direction, to be the GPS of your life on steps you're needing to take. I say that as an example, but if you as parents could just listen to this word that Pastor Joe just shared this morning, because it's already stirring up behind this door. So if you're needing wisdom, a desire that in your home, everything that Pastor Joe just said in this message, I pray for you to receive that in the name of Jesus right now. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing a song. We're going to be here to pray. So as you leave this place, but never from the presence of God, believing what he can do, what he's able to do in your life, believe it and go forward. Let's change earth. You are dismissed. We love you so much. Let's worship. Jesus for our Savior God.